Life is a roller coaster. I've had my share of ups and downs. I've had my ass kicked. Just a few examples. I've been shot, I've been stabbed, I've been bitten. Not by my dogs, of course. Two three-year-long illnesses, both times pronounced terminally ill. One was stage four lung cancer, and then part and parcel of that, I created so much that came with it. Homelessness, severe drug addiction, horrible depression, isolating myself from everybody I know and love, and going through it all alone, except, of course, for my beloved pit bulls. They've kept me alive. It's been a wild and crazy ride, but honestly, it's been one hell of a blessing. My friends, my dear friends, the WWE superstars, UFC icons and legends, the leaders of the Hells Angels, the Navy SEALs, spiritual leaders, movie producers, musicians, they say I've used up my ninth life, but I know that I have one more left and it's gonna be the best one yet. Life's simple these days. It's just me and my pops and doing the best I can for myself for my dogs, of course, and for as many people as I can. Part of that is I love doing my podcasts. I'm told they're equal parts inspiration and entertainment. It makes me feel like I get a chance to give something back. So my greatest hope and my biggest goal are one and the same, to take all these ups and downs and combine these experiences into something that looks like hope, strength, maybe even a little bit of wisdom. It'll all be in my book, Little Big Man, and that drops later this year. Until then, please join me on my YouTube channel at Rick Bassman and please subscribe or listen on your very favorite podcast platform. Three new podcasts every week, one each of the Cancer Warriors, the Pitbull Podcast, and Talking Tough. Hey, it's Rick Bassman here for a special episode of the Cancer Warriors Podcast. Special for two reasons. One, the more minor one, and we'll get to it a little bit later, is I kind of have a semi-big personal announcement that I want to make tonight. But again, we'll save that. For the bigger and better and best reason is tonight is the very first night that a Cancer Warriors podcast is joined by its new host, my new co-host, an old, old friend of mine from the pro wrestling days of all things. So going way back to UPW, very um, self-possessed young woman came in one day and wanted to uh, join the school and the company. Sure, why not? We were you know, open arms for everybody. But she quickly uh, rose above the fray um, in terms of not only ability, and I said self-possession, how she carried herself, but very obvious intelligence and just being a good person. And then she turned out to be a pretty damn good wrestler as well. She went on actually to become the... Uh, if history or memory serves, and it rarely does for me, uh, the multi-time UPW Women's Champion, at least one time, can ask her that. This is a Cancer Warriors podcast, not a wrestling podcast, but we have that in common, so forgive me in advance if I can't uh, keep myself from throwing a, a wrestling reference in every now and then. Anyway, my friend, our UPW Champion, went on to do much bigger and better things also in the world of pro wrestling and outside of pro wrestling, as you'll hear tonight. Uh, she is a fellow stage four survivor and a person who is doing great things to help people that are going through it. So without any uh, further rambling on my part, I am very, very happy to welcome our new co-host, otherwise known as Jungle Girl, Miss Erica Porter. That was a hell of an introduction. And I wouldn't I was... 
That's right. you know, you know how it is in the wrestling world. If you can't cut a promo, you're not gonna survive. It's cutting promos, man. You know where you want to go and you just kind of go with the flow, right? That's right. But you were talking about not wanting to have too many references, but really the reality of the cancer warrior is as close a match to being in the ring as you can possibly be because life is always trying to give you the one, two, three, right? And it's a matter of mindset and perseverance, whether or not you come out victorious or you're the one that has your shoulders pinned to the mat. What a great metaphor. Wow. I've never put the two together anywhere remotely in that manner before. That's great. Um, I, I may steal that from you at one point. I'll warn you in advance. I love it. Um, and, and there's a similarity in the physical, um, the physical toil it takes also. No? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, really is a lot like the dance in the ring, the back and forth, the the trust that you have in one another, that confidence right? That mindset, that's really the difference between the warrior and the individual that kind of goes home, sits on the couch, has this this cycle of not feeling great. And it really starts with that mental aspect. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I think I lead with. I think there's a difference in how you receive treatment. There's a difference in how you receive whatever it is in life is your mindset. And the mindset is absolutely powerful. I call it the endorphasm mindset. And we're going to hear all about that because that is your nonprofit foundation, the endorphasm foundation. But first, before we get to that, tell us, I know the following, of course, and I, I want to hear it again. Absolutely want to, but please tell our listeners, our viewers out there, a little bit about uh, about your experience with the big C. What's your cancer story? So actually, funny enough, I had just finished taping with WOW. We had tapings in December of 2019, and I was kind of feeling a little off. WOW, Women of Wrestling. WOW, Women of Wrestling. So otherwise known as uh, WOW Superheroes. But cool. so in that December taping, I was feeling a little off. I ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. Come February, March, COVID started to hit. I started to have this kind of shortness of breath and a cough. And at the same time, I had had this kind of mass that was growing. I was ignoring it, thinking it's not really anything. I thought maybe I had COVID. I ignored that as well. Come now, fast forward to June when... It was, something was definitely wrong. And I finally went to the doctor, had the mask looked at. The second she looked at me, she did an ultrasound and basically said, listen, at best you have stage two cancer, which I'm sitting there by myself, masks are on. I mean, I could tell as soon as she had done the ultrasound, just looking at her face change. And you don't really, I mean, you don't know how to prepare yourself for that kind of interaction and that kind of diagnosis. So I'm still in a situation of, I don't really know much of anything. She biopsied me right then and there, sent it away. I had the results back the next day. 
still not a staging, but it was breast cancer, estrogen, progesterone positive, HER2 negative. So at least the better of the cancer types when you talk about breast cancer. So it wasn't until I had gone and I met with the oncologist and said, hey, listen, I'm having shortness of breath. I have this cough. I don't know if it's anything, but it might be something. So he said, well, listen, we'll do a CT. If it's anything, then we'll just kind of restage and redo the treatment options. So the next day I received a call and he said it is spread to your lungs. So instead of a stage two, it's now a stage four. As it's distant, it's reached another organ. So we reevaluated the treatment plan and I started chemo right away. While I was doing chemo, I was on round eight and I started to have excruciating pain in my lower back. Now I'm a fitness professional. I've been a fitness professional for 30 plus years. And so I know when there's injury and I know when it's not injury. This was not an injury related pain that I was feeling. So they sent me in for a emergency MRI. So it showed that I had bone mats, which was now lesions in the bone. So now we stopped the chemotherapy. I went into radiation right away and we changed the treatment plan. So bone mats are stable, lungs stable, everything is stable. I'm now June of 2020. We're now January of 2023. I'm doing great. I still, the last time we spoke, I was having trouble talking, but it's not related to the cancer. So it's been this ongoing laryngitis thing, which is crushing me because I like to talk a lot, but that's where I'm at. So again, I'll get back to through the diagnosis. People ask me, are you mad? Are you sad? Are you angry? What's going on? And for me, I feel here's the mindset. I feel like I have a powerful position and I have the ability as someone who is living with cancer to deliver a really powerful message. And that is the power to move through cancer. And that gets into what the Endorphasm Foundation is all about. So am I sad? No. I actually think who better than me to deliver this powerful message and to be the voice and the poster child for what what the narrative should be. Cancer is part of my story, but it is not my entire story. And so I think that's a really, really powerful message. Yeah, to not define who you are by any means. Um, I think it's a great message to have and a great position to be in. And I, and I can tell with you, it's very, very genuine. Sometimes people can speak the words, but it's it's maybe them trying to convince themselves or somebody else about something they're not really feeling. I can tell that this is like the very fiber of your being. From the time you got all that information, you got a lot of radical information in a very short period of time. Yeah. And a lot of curveballs were thrown because your treatment's changing, your protocols are changing. From the time you were first diagnosed to coming to the place where you feel powerful, where you are now, how much time was between diagnosis and adopting that mindset? So I don't know that I had to adopt them. I think that that's just been who I am. 
I think at the at the very core of who Erica Porter is, I think that's who I am. I think that, and we spoke about this before, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those that allow the world to impact them and those that choose to impact the world. I choose to impact the world. So what is thrown at me, the curveballs, as you say, are not what I lead with. I lead with, that doesn't, right? We're, we're all terminal to some extent. I mean, I mean, not to any, to every extent. We all have a day that's going to come. We're not stamped with an expiration date on the bottom of our foot that says, okay, on January 24th, 2023, that's it. You're exiting this planet. We all have an exit day. We don't know what it's going to be. So you have a decision to make. Am I either living or am I dying? And a diagnosis should not change that. When you look at your life and I try to back into life, I look at if I if I wrote my obituary, how do I want to be remembered? What impact do I want to have on the world? And from there, that's how I lead my life. So I don't even want a conversation about, oh my gosh, she was, I want to be known as a badass. I want to be known as somebody who has made an impact on people's lives. And so I am very deliberate with the choices that I make every single day. And maybe I'm even more deliberate now than I was before because I really have a message and I want to convey that we choose our own narrative. We hold the power with everything, our choices, our mindset, our words, all incredibly powerful things. And I'm in a position where I really feel through the experiences that I've had in life, and not just this one, but this one's a big one to say, hey, listen, even when life is trying to pin your shoulders to the mat, you still have an option. There's always a way to get out of that pin. There's always the mindset that can overcome any obstacle. And that's the most powerful piece of all of it. Absolutely. And I, and I want to I want to bolster this. So beautifully said, and there's no way I could improve on that. But I want to speak for a moment and repeat what you said in, in a bit of a different voice. Sure. Anybody out there listening right now who may be in it, I don't like to say in the war, in the battle, because it kind of has the wrong connotation to it. But you know what I mean when I say it, obviously. So let's say anyone who's in the battle right now that does not have your mindset, which I dare say would unfortunately be a lot of people. That was me. God knows. They've got to be going, wow. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I, I could never do that. I could never be like that. I was one of those people. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But I'm here to say that. Anybody out there who listened and heard what Erica said that admire that and don't think that can be you, you're wrong. You abs And I'm saying wrong because this is a good thing. Sure. This, is a good, yeah. this is a good place to be wrong. Anybody and everybody, no matter where you are, no matter how sick your circumstances, you have the ability to change your mindset. That is the one thing you control more than anything else. And I'm guessing you and I will probably spend some time not only on this episode, but all episodes, maybe guiding people a little bit how to do that, offering suggestions. If you're out there listening, know that it is possible. And as Erica said, and I would agree from here to each, I posted an incredibly long blog a couple of nights ago that 
it's a long title, is something to the effect of the seven components, in my opinion, most necessary to not only survive cancer or any major illness, but to thrive during and after. And I have a list of seven components and I have a six way tie for second place. And they're the types of things you would imagine, nutrition, exercise, uh, support system, having the right doctors and medical plan, far and away, first place mindset, no doubt about it. And uh, I think we'll I think we'll get into that quite a bit here. And as I mentioned, going forward, I think I mean, really, for anybody, I you know, I think when people are trying to wrap their head around mindset, often they think just too too big a picture. And sometimes it's just and it feels like is, pressure so much. It does, pressure. but it does, it does it and go ahead. Yes, please. And I always tell people, I'm like, what is one thing, one thing that you you don't even have to love about yourself, but what is one thing that you like? What is one thing that you admire? What quality? And lead with that. Yeah, lead what, with what, that one thing. Action can you take right now? Yes, absolutely. Sorry. I, I have a tendency no, into what you're saying. So go on, please. No, I think just leading with that. And I tell people, I say, you know, one of the things that I think is really something that can change who you are and can change you daily, right? Because if you have this moment and then it's gone, it's what can you do in this moment to then change your future self? So I'm like, even if you wake up in the mirror, you know, wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm a smart person, right? I'm a good person. That That is your conversation right there is to look and to say one amazing quality that you have and lead with that all day long. And it's really difficult to be discouraged if you can lead with that constant, lead with that one positive thing about yourself. You know, whether it's I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm caring. Those are amazing attributes. Lead with that and forget about it. That's the one thing you can control. So control the controllables and the things that you feel out of control, we'll address them at a different time. But let's focus on something that you can control. And I agreed completely. And I, I would couple that with, and you're 100% right. I would couple that with what action can you take? Because you and I both, what's one little thing, two, three little things, up until the point maybe you start to feel a little overwhelmed today. You know, the, the trick, I think, for a lot of people is where do I start? Right. And, you know, I, I suggest things that anybody could possibly do. Like, here's one thing I suggest. Let's let's get into some ideas. Um, right. One thing I suggest not to do is take a month off from the news. Um, not not just CNN, not just Fox, but both of them and everything else that goes with it. I mean, there there are studies. So you'll be apathetic. You won't know what's happening in the political spectrum or around the world for a month. I think we could all survive without that. There are studies about what the consumption of news and and violent programming, negative programming, does to the psyche and to the brain. That's something anybody could do immediately. Well, I need to watch something. Great. Go to YouTube and search positive or meditation for positive mindset. Um, uh, meditation for having a great day. Uh, look at passitoncom or the goodnewsnetwork.com. 
That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. That's passive, but anybody can do that. And in my mind, that like that starts that starts to feed you. Um, you can be of service. Now, again, someone that's over like in my second life threatening illness, because I had a lot of these things now, as you know, um, twice where I was giving terminal diagnosis. The second time out, I mean, I got to the point, and this is all I'll take all the credit or discredit for it. I get to the point where I was homeless, depressed isolated and drug addicted all at the same time on top of the illness that I had. But the way I started to come back and I did it, I was on my own. So like what I talked to myself one day, what can I do to turn this? Well, and I always have that mindset about being of service and like I've always done it. Like I'm in no position to go volunteer somewhere. I mean, I don't have money to put in my car. Sometimes I didn't have a car, but you can be nice to every single person you encounter. And you can make an effort to do that. And don't worry about how they react. Some people, you'll tr you'll change their day. You'll see it on the spot. Watch how that makes you feel. And then do it and do it and do it till it starts to make you feel good. That might sound a little simplistic or a little pedestrian, but I try to come up, because I get asked a lot, what can I do? And I come up with things that anybody can do no matter what their resources or lack of resources are at any given time. Um, Simplicity we'll is golden. Simplicity, I think that the, the problem is so many people try to complicate it, right? It really is simplistic. It really is as simple as making somebody feel warmth. And then that's reciprocated. And by the way, that changes the world. You know, when you can just smile at someone and receive that back, it starts to be this kind of pay it forward this this kind of absolutely changing has, the trajectory and just it changes everything it has a cumulative effect and you know that person i'm going to think about the person okay I, I admire so much who you are and the way the way you handled your news and and the way you made it almost a positive actually a positive immediately now let's talk about the opposite type of person me when i was first diagnosed a million years ago, when I was 16 years old, I was stage four lung cancer with a six month survival prognosis. Oh, my God, Erica, I was like the opposite you opposite of you in every way, shape or form. Um, I was fatalistic. I was mad. I was sad. All the things you were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. Um, I was probably not a very pleasant person to be around. Um, I did nothing positive for myself. Um, I lived on McDonald's. Um, I probably watched every bad movie there was to watch. I didn't know any better. Um, you know, I was a teenage boy and this was back in the days before like meditation was uh, a cool thing or really even known about the secret was thing of the distant future. Um, but oh my God, it's like I did everything wrong. And I also didn't have a mindset to even think about trying to find out what was right or what could be helpful. So the reason I'm bringing this up is you and I both know, and we come across people in these situations every day that are very much like I was at that time in my life. So if you were talking to the 16 year old me right now, and you were telling me, you know, or we were talking to the 16 year old me and we're, suggesting the things you and I are suggesting, 
my response probably would have been, I am too sick. I have no resources. I can't do any of these things. It's too much. And I would respond to him now. Let's break it down. Let's find the one thing you can do now. And let's repeat it. And let's add the second. And let's add the third. And one of the, one of my seven ingredients or components is having an advocate also. If you're so lucky to have that, that's not something we can control. Um, if you need to, you have to self ad, self advocate for yourself. Right. Find one or two things that work. Anybody out there listening that was like the 16 year old me, you can turn it. I 100% not only believe that, I've seen it happen time and again. Yeah, I mean, you can turn it. I think that really kind of great analogy to put that kind of to, to really feel and to, to see what that is, is if you had a backpack on and for every negative self thought word, um, just all the negativity and you put a brick every time you had a negative thought, every time you did something that probably was not the best choice and you added brick, brick, brick. Very quickly, you're going to find yourself pinned to the floor. But that doesn't mean you have to stay there. So sometimes, I mean, you, you're not always going to take all the bricks out at once. But you can remove one at a time. And that's whether that's finding a mentor and, and listening. And I think that what I would tell a lot of young people and what I would tell even people who are older struggling, feeling that, that just that, that anger and not really knowing where to start is just to say brick by brick, one brick at a time. And sometimes, you know, we take two steps forward and we take one step back, but guess what? We're still one step further ahead than we were when we started. So then it might be three steps and two steps back but you're still ahead. So it's to remember that I think giving yourself grace too, to say, listen, absolutely. I um, might wake up days and I might be like, I mean, that just might be where I'm at, but then well, I'll, bet you, I'll bet you can turn it pretty quickly though. You can turn it pretty quickly. And there's a methodology that we can suggest to help people do that too, but go ahead, please. Yes. But that's, that's really, I mean, just thinking about, okay, if, if, if I carried this life backpack and I really controlled whether or not it was going to weigh me down or not, do I choose to take a brick out? Do I choose to empower myself and to also give myself grace when I fall short that particular day? To remember that every single day is an opportunity to move forward. Every day, every moment, we have choices and that it's not, and everything is cumulative. So it's not like I make one bad choice and all is lost. It's okay. I made a, a choice that maybe doesn't move me in the direction of what I want. But sometimes I really feel it's important because you were talking about what's actionable is to really put down, what do I really want for myself? What do I truly desire? And there's three steps. It's 
Desire, action, focus. What do I truly desire? Define it, say it, say it out loud, write it on paper. Whether that's, I wanna have a more positive attitude. What are the actions that are necessary to get it? Write them down. Like, write, what, what do I need to do in order to achieve that? And then the focus is where more, most people kind of lose it. The focus is, even when I don't feel like doing it, I do it anyway. Exercise your muscle in the gym. Yes. Absolutely. What I want is the most important thing. But to remember that even in that process, we have to think of ourselves like children, right? Nobody came out of the womb like sprinting and getting it. We learned, we fell. And hopefully you had a parent that was like, you can get back up, take steps again to remember we are going to fall. But that's part of the beauty of being and that's human. Okay. It's like you said, learning. steps steps forward and steps back. I, I, I wrote in my book a few years ago, I remember this day well, I was writing about steps backwards and forwards. And at that time, you know, my, my poor me list, homeless, depressed, drug addicted, and in pain, all that. Um, I remember very clearly when I decided one day after hearing, you know, reading every now and then something positive or nourishing or listening to something and hearing people say, you can make a, you can make a change. I didn't have my mind on how I could do that, but I chose to believe it was possible. And I remember making that choice. I don't know how, but I believed. So I'm like, what can I start doing? And look, one very simple tool that I adopted, and I don't know if I heard this somewhere or made it up myself, but I remember hearing that if you're sitting there, like you and I are sitting here right now, everybody else that's listening, sitting there, standing, they're on a bike, whatever they're doing, you could shut us off right now, have no stimulus in front of you at all, nothing going on around you, and you could be happy 10 seconds from now, or you could be sad 10 seconds from now, or have any other variety of emotions, angry, giddy, whatever it might be, by what you choose to let into your brain. And that's a pretty powerful statement when you really think about it. I mean, if you're not in the midst of fight or flight, if you don't have the proverbial saber-toothed tiger chasing you, you have a choice what thought to adopt at any moment. And this tool, again, that I don't know if I made up or heard was I got into the, the practice of flexing a certain muscle. And it was this. When a negative thought started to enter my brain, I told myself, sometimes out loud, stop. That was it. Stop. Exclamation point. Part two, take a deep breath. I mean, you know how many people go through an entire day probably without taking a deep breath? I think that might have been my first one today that I just took. <laughs> stop. Take a deep breath and say to yourself consciously, now that I stopped that thought, I'm going to replace it with a positive one. To me, that's like a really elementary step anybody can do at any moment to start to turn stuff. And as I wrote in my book, I referenced a, a few minutes ago, I remember when I was that homeless, depressed up, I looked at my life as every day taking nine steps forward. I'm sorry, two steps forward, nine steps back, three steps forward, 14 steps back. And then I started to stop, replace it with the positive thought, take a small action. And Erica, I swear a year or so later, I remember one day going, oh my God, 
I had net positive steps today. And that was like the first day in forever, it seemed like. And it wasn't like even that my outward circumstances had changed that much. They started to change, I think, because of the action. Sure. But they changed because of my thoughts. Then the, then, the, then the outside circumstances changed. And my attitude got more positive. I continued to flex those muscles. Then the circumstances got better and better. And look at me now, wealthy and good looking. See who would have <laughs> right. There you go. I know, right? Anyway. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so I have some news for you. So I have stage one brain cancer. And I just got this news about eight weeks ago. And you might say, well, about, why don't you know? And I don't want to get into too much of a ramble and please jump in and save me at any moment. But I don't, I don't know the exact date I got the diagnosis. I don't know the exact date if I don't consult my calendar when my next MRI is. Because I, I've chosen not to memorize these dates and focus on these things. And it's part of like, I'll do it when the time comes and I'll make sure I'm ready for it. But I'm not giving the diagnosis power, if that makes any sense. And Erica, like I said, 40 years ago, when I was stage four lung cancer, and I was the world's worst patient or one of them. And then 2013 to 2016, when I had my second life-threatening terminal illness, um, it wasn't cancer-related, uh, but it was a three-year run, just like my first one was. It's not that I was a good patient or a bad patient. It's just like I was a mess circumstantially. And then things started to change. And I started this podcast. And on this podcast, the Cancer Warriors talk about, and I've said so many times, like it's speaking with a guest like you, who really, in my opinion, has it together, has the right attitude, had that from the beginning of their diagnosis or close to the beginning. I'm like, yeah, I always wonder if I were ever, God forbid, diagnosed with something again, how I would treat it. But I have to believe I would treat it the way I talk about it now and my guests talk about it now on this podcast. So I was diagnosed about eight weeks ago. And one of my first thoughts and part of my language was, well, Rick, you better fucking practice that you've been preaching, buddy. <laughs> and uh, here we are. Anyway, that's you my know, I, announcement for the day. Fun. Well, but, but I, I will tell you something that's really, really interesting because you talked about, I'm not going to give power to the cancer and knowing the date. Um, that is something that lives very vivid, vividly in my mind is the day. The day. Um, and maybe it was the circumstances that led up to it. You know, I, I happened to go on a vacation with my family right before. It was that like ignorance is bliss. You know, I didn't know anything. We just like lived like nothing was, you know, everything was normal. And, um, and so that I think is part of the important piece is that you have to continue your life and try to, to keep it as normal as possible because otherwise then the disease has overrun your entire life. You let it and that's when you become consumed, especially if, you know, I have scans every three months. I take chemo pills every single night. So if I, if I don't maintain normalcy in my life, if I don't have purpose and if I don't 
keep driving the way that I've always driven, then I lose. Then the disease becomes the centerpiece of my entire life. And that's where that's a really dangerous kind of road to travel down because then everything you are consumed and you have this victim mentality. That's when you start to become really angry and sad and this vicious cycle of why me? All of this starts to happen because you've allowed what has happened to you to become the centerpiece of your life becomes the narrative of who you are instead of something that's happened. Absolutely. You can define who you are. And if what we're talking about applies to anybody out there that's listening right now, that's okay. Don't guilt yourself over it. I know you'll agree with this. You can change. You can turn things around. Um, Like, you know, it, it's a bitch. I mean, it's a bitch beginning. I had a six week course of radiation uh, five days a week. And my hopefully final rate, I don't know to my next MRI what's happening next, but fi- final one was 11, 12 days ago. And I'm still like the cumulative effects of the radiation are still mounting each day. Yeah. You know? And that's, you know, you hear that about radiation, you know, that horrible analogy to bring up. And when we dropped the bomb in Japan, you heard about people getting sick four months later. It's how radiation works to really, again, make things simplistic and the side effects have not been super easy to deal with but it's like i'm having good days every single day and my days are absolute net positives right now doesn't how doesn't matter how bad my head's hurting it's pretty bad headaches or how dizzy i am or how many times i throw up in a day sorry if that's too graphic but that's part of it um I have done some focus on this, but here's what my focus has brought. My diet 10 weeks ago, a couple of weeks before I started radiation was not great. It wasn't terrible. By your standards, it was probably pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Erica, oh my God, if you, you know, and I was like, I'm pretty it's funny sure. how everybody seems to think I have this like perfect eating plan, but keep going. I would think you do, but you you can correct that later as you, uh, as you're sneaking a, a bite of your hostess Twinkie there or whatever it might be, right? Um, I'm actually drinking a delicious tea. Yeah, same here. Cheers. Cheers. Um, But if you looked at my kitchen, like I always thought I'm educated to, hate the word diet, nutrition. I'm educated to it. Um, You hear about vegan, vegetarian, plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, right? I'm like, how in the world would you ever get your mind around all of that to make those changes, right? Right. And I'm sure, as you do know, assuming you're, you know, if your diet's not perfect, like if, if you walked in my kitchen right now, you would see that I am vegan, plant-based, dairy-free, gluten-free, sugar-free, all changed. So, and I, I can feel the difference. Oh my God. So I'm like, I got this diagnosis and God willing, I'll beat my third major illness. I'm not going to call it life-threatening because I've not been given a life sentence with, with this one. And I'm not even going to say yet because we don't know what's happening next. Um, when I come out of this, I'm going to be like nutritionally in better shape than I was ever in my entire life. And my spiritual practice, which is pretty decent already, has like 
redoubled or retripled. That's even a real word. Um, <laughs> and I'm like finding new modalities every day. And it's fun. And I'm just reading positive stuff and doing positive stuff and thinking positive stuff, which is kind of sort of my mode already, but it's all been amplified and multiplied. So that is the kind of focus that is attached to my diagnosis at this point. So in, in my mind, this might sound really ridiculous, but in my mind, let me back up. I, I take a long time, <laughs> take a long time to explain things. I'm in the world of pit bull rescue, as you know, it's a big part of my world. And I was talking to my rescue buddy earlier today, Kyle, and he's also a big MMA guy. And I'm like, we're talking about our origin stories in rescue. And I got into it when my dog Marley's, when I, I, when I saw my dog Marley's crushed body pulled out of a trash bag by the animal control officer who scraped him off of the street. And it was like, yeah, right. It was one of the absolute worst moments. When was that? Sorry? When was that? 15 years ago. Wow. So like I told Kyle today, because we were philosophizing with each other, us two like tough rescue guys. And I'm like, dude, if you were standing there at that moment and you said when Marley's body was pulled out of that bag, you said, Rick, this is happening for a reason. Something good's going to come out of this. I'm like, Kyle, I would have kicked you right in your fucking head. Part of my language, but, and I will cuss. Um, but That's it makes why the, so alike. <laughs> right? It makes the point, right? And I'm talking to him today going, dude, I miss Marley. I'm sorry that ever happened. I feel like I let him down. But, but, but if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have my five beautiful pit bull babies around me right now. I would not have my own nonprofit foundation, the Bully Dog Rescue Coalition. I wouldn't have met all these people who have become friends and mentors and students. I yeah. would have had a hand in saving thousands of pit bull type dogs over the years and finding my greatest passion in life. Well, the point of all this is it's like I got diagnosed with brain cancer. People might go, oh, my God. I'm like, it took me about a minute to go, OK, I'm not psyched about this, but right. what good can come out of this? And I'm already finding it. And it's, I have to say, I'm pretty proud of myself. It's pretty awesome. I'm proud of you too, Rick. Thank you. Appreciate that. I think that there are always silver linings, you Absolutely. know, and I, but you have to be willing to, to see them, you know? So I think opening your eyes and opening your heart is an important part of life because in all of our moments, in all of the circumstances, and yet, and give yourself permission to to feel all the feels. Because I always tell people, you don't need somebody else's perspective to give yourself permission to feel any sort of way. So people are like, "Oh, you know, put your life in perspective. People have it worse than you." I'm not living their life. I'm living my life. And so it's not always highs. So you have to give yourself the permission to feel the lows and to honor and respect that. But then you have to, if you're going to have a pity party, give yourself a period of time and say, okay, that's it. After this period of time, that's it. So whether it's you got to have a good cry or 
you know, if there's something that you do that can kind of just be in that moment, let it suck for a second, and then you got to snap out of it because you don't want to live in that space. But you have to honor that our pain is what it is, our sorrow, our all of those things are relative to each and every one of us. Your pain is going to be different than mine. And so honor all the feels, but then be open in both mind, body, and spirit to what's possible and the silver lining in things. Uh, I would wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. And I mean, there's, there's no, there's no debate. It's, it's truth. It's gospel. What can somebody do after they've given themselves permission to be in the pity party? I'm, I'm always about what's like a very palpable thing someone can do. I, I remember a pro wrestling friend of mine, pro wrestling reference, Juan Thompson. You wouldn't have heard of him. He didn't go too yeah. far in business, but great guy. He goes, something my mom has taught me when I was growing up. If I wake up not feeling good, and I start to get sad or get depressed. I'm like, okay, I recognize this. Now, ready one, on the count of three, put your feet on the floor, stand up as tall as you can, put your arms up like that, throw your head back and smile. Okay, now restart. There's always something, right? And yeah. I think if we give ourselves these little tools, whatever works for us, we've all heard the term setting ourselves up for failure. It's so easy once you start to do it to set yourself up for success. Yeah. And you do. And it's, it's a practice, right? Setting yourself up for success is not just something that, that happens. It is, it is a practice. It is incredibly mindful and purposeful and deliberate. And I don't think if you talk to any person and it, success is different for everybody, right? But each person in their level of success, it has been very deliberate and it has been mindful. And so you have to do that. It's, um, you know, you, we were talking about simple things that you can do sometimes, chat, you know, listening to a podcast, something that, that kind of can change that mindset. And sometimes I will tell you, even when you are not in the mood to kind of absorb that comedy, something that will make you laugh. Just even if you take 15 minutes and listen to some kind of comedy that you really like, I beg people when they're just laughing hysterically to try to be sad. It's that's, really hard. That's great advice. And, it's and really I love, hard. I love that advice. And it's so true. And even if it's, you know, if you can't concentrate, have it on in the background. I mean, right. anything. It's like, here's another one. When you go to sleep at night, I want to challenge everybody to do this for a night or a week or forever would be better. Turn off the ringer on your phone. I mean, unless you're on call for something you have to be on call for. Right. Turn your ringer off. Put your phone on airplane mode. Turn your Wi-Fi off. First of all, let's not even get caught up in the science of what the waves are supposed to do in our brain when the cell phone's close to us. There's something in the back of our head that keeps us on edge or on pins and needles, wondering what text message or email or however we get our 
how we do our communication, Snapchat, Facebook, in my case, MySpace, um, you know, whatever you do. Did uh, you just say you use MySpace? I was being facetious. Okay. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to see if you were paying attention to my endless rambles here. Um, and you were. Thank you. Um, but uh, That was a test. I got it. I mean, turn all that shit off and it, it frees your brain. And before you turn everything off, down, find that comedy that makes you laugh hysterically. Audio. Find a super pot. You know, I don't know if you're religious. Download something from a Christian, Joel Osteen. I don't know if you like a good dose of raw raw. Download Tony Robbins. Um, I mean, whoever your your choice is, right? Sure. Um, I'm not endorsing either or talking negatively about it. Whatever your choice is. Um, download. Listen to the Cancer Warrior podcast. Listen to that. Yes. <laughs> But download it. That way you don't rely on your Wi-Fi connection for it. And when you get to bed, hit play. And if you fall asleep, great. It's entering your brain. There's a start for you. Yeah, that's good. It's good. There's so much. It's true. Well, you know, the sad thing is I think that, um, you know, speaking of kind of social media and, and that kind of thing, I think I, I'm so torn when it comes to social media. I, I understand the amazing benefits it can have, but it also is destructive. You know, when, when I think it's really dangerous to pretend like that's reality and it's okay to get lost, you know, like to watch little reels and funny family. There's great dog and cat videos and things that make you smile. But I think when you go on to anything and if it negatively impacts you in some way, mm -hmm. get rid of it, get rid of it. You're, you're preaching to the choir of my friend and without getting into the politics of it, because I hate politics and I don't do politics, um, you know, the, and, and the fact that in my political opinion, the internet is the most evil invention in the history of mankind. Um, apart from that, um, it, it's social media is no different than what books you choose to read right. or what music you choose to listen to right. or what shows you choose to watch. You said there's great dog and cat stuff on there. If you, it's, it's no different than the food you choose to eat. Are you eating vegan plant-based stuff like me or Twinkies and Ho-Hos like you, right? <laughs> um, it's like, it's, 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 all, it's all just based on your choice of what you expose yourself to, I think. And if you have the discipline to go onto Facebook and Snapchat and MySpace or whatever else is out there and... Re and look at dog and cat stuff all day Rick, long. I don't think MySpace even exists anymore. I don't think it does I don't. Hey, I'm old, so I like to make archaic references. We're not that far apart in age. How many friends do you have on MySpace, Erica? I don't even have what. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it, it's like you have the discipline to log on to, to all the social platforms and stay with cool, positive, fun, uplifting stuff. Go for it. The problem, you know, the I think the, con, the human condition um, and algorithms, unfortunately, point us in a direction on social that is like watching a violent TV show. 
it's not a whole lot different. So right. anyway, that's my comment on that. All politics aside, I agree. Stay away from it. Which, yep. is, which is why right when we finish this, I have to go post on all our platforms to watch the next episode of the Cancer Warriors podcast. But that's different. You're, this is good information. It's, yes, you know, absolutely. Agreed. This is Agreed. Uh, feeding the mind in a very positive way. Good conversation, you know, actionable items, things that people can do and uh, hopefully make an impact. I mean, really, ideally, that's that's the goal here more than anything. Absolutely. And speaking of actionable things people can do on, on my list of seven things, in any case, one is, well, I just call it move and that's physical fitness exercise. So as part of your superhero introduction story or origin story, since this is your first episode as co-host here, uh, let's let the audience know about your foundation, Endorphasm. And I love. Please do. What the world, what in the world is an endorphasm? So I'm glad you asked. So endorphasm is, so let me, I'm going to start with the story. I struggled a lot with just kind of my, my place physically in the world. Um, I was in the health and fitness professional or profession and so much of it, especially in the late eighties, early nineties was, and it still is. I mean, when we talk about fitness professionals, a lot of times our expectation is that they look a certain way. I happened to take a class. I was 24 years old, took a group fitness class from this ex-Navy SEAL guy at the Gold's Gym in Torrance, not in Torrance, in, uh, where was it? In Manhattan Beach, California. This guy was no joke. So I walked in thinking like, I'm in pretty good shape. I have never in my life felt just this overwhelming sense of, holy shit, my body just did that. It was the first time as a young adult woman that I didn't think about what I looked like. I didn't think about what I had to cook. I didn't think about anything other than what my body had just done. There was a feeling, I was overwhelmed by this feeling of, I feel like an absolute badass. Everything that I think fitness and movement really is, it's about connecting to a feeling. So I went home and I told Carlo, who was my boyfriend at the time, now my life partner forever. I said, dude, I don't know what the hell I just experienced, but whatever that was, I want to feel that every day for the rest of my life. And not only that, now my personal training, that's not my, my focus. I want people to feel what I felt that day. And I just kept going on and on and on about, I felt this thing and I felt like a badass and I felt like, and I just kept going back to this feeling. So we were driving to Big Bear. I was going to go snowboarding for the first time. And I said, an endorphasm. He's like, what? I said, an endorphasm. What? An endorphasm. That's what I felt in that class that day. All the diarrhea of the mouth, like everything that was coming out of my mouth. That was the one word that captivated what I felt in that moment. 
So we defined it as the moment during movement that you feel all things are possible. And that changed my life, that moment. Love that. And that became my mission is to change the narrative of what movement is supposed to be. It's not about I do this and I look like this because that's fleeting. There's one quote that I think is incredibly powerful, and that is, if the world was blind, who would you impress? And so I I lead my life that way. Yes. Do I feel like I look great? Yes. But more importantly, I feel amazing. And that's the ability to connect with movement and how it can change you. So movement is not just powerful in how it changes the body. It's powerful in how it changes the mind. When you connect to what the body is capable of doing, which by the way, the human body was designed to move. When we stop moving, we die. I mean, we were built to move. And when you have that connection, it changes how you operate on a daily basis. It changes your mindset. When you realize that you're physically capable of doing something, when you're challenged with something, you're like, I can do that. I just did something hard. I know what I'm capable of doing. I can do that. And so when I got diagnosed, what I realized is we relinquish our control to the medical community and we're praying, God, I hope they get this right. I hope that whatever treatment plan they put me on is the right one for me. That's going to help me live a long, happy life. There is an aspect of treatment that's ours to control, and that's self-care. Self-care is ours. That is something that nobody can deny us. And the medical community needs to start talking about how powerful movement is through a cancer diagnosis and beyond. So I founded the Endorphasm Foundation to empower individuals diagnosed with cancer to move through cancer and beyond because it doesn't just change your physical well-being, it changes that mental, that, that emotional well-being. So the individual that wants to come home and goes through treatment and curl up in a ball and that becomes their narrative and they're tired and they don't feel like doing anything and they get this victim mentality. It changes them in that it seems counterintuitive that the more you move, the more energy you will have, but that is the reality of it. And so the foundation, we have partnered with CETI, which is the Cancer Exercise Training Institute, which is, I mean, the pinnacle of what exercise oncology is. We have the ability to work with every cancer variable, with every treatment variable, and be able to work with these individuals, assess them, and be able to change and improve and empower them as individuals and to control an aspect of their care that is theirs. And so we do this and we offer these services free of charge. And um, that's the Endorphasm Foundation in a nutshell. So 
for any information in dwarfhasmfoundation.org. And the story's there. What we do is there. You'll see that we're starting to starting to evolve and partner in various cities. So that's big picture I have for the Endorphasm Foundation. So it's not just local here in Richmond, Virginia. It's going to be a nationwide service. Well, I'm here in Southern California and you just provided me with a huge dose of inspiration. See, I'm gonna be personal and selfish for a moment now. I love what you described and it's for everybody. And I hope it ends up being as wide reaching as you're imagining and beyond because it deserves to be and it should be and God knows people that are going through the cancer journey should avail themselves of it and could use it. So I was telling you a while ago how proud I was of myself, pat myself on the back for what I'm doing nutritionally and spiritually. And I was equally proud of myself when I was doing physically up until about three weeks ago. And I hate to admit, I kind of sort of adopted the attitude that, oh my God, this radiation is kicking my ass so badly I just can't do anything anymore. But I haven't done anything for about three weeks. And I know that's not true. I know I know what's not true is that me telling myself I can't do anything. Right. You could do something, right? Yep. So for people that are in that mindset that I just described to you, how do you get somebody started? You have to start. And sometimes that's just baby steps. Sometimes that's just saying, okay, listen. You probably still have to run errands. And so I tell people, I'm like, if, if you can, as long as there's not a balance issue, as long as you're capable, is to maybe, if you have to go to the grocery store, park as far away as you can. And just those additional few steps into the grocery store and to do what you're doing makes a difference. It makes a difference. And movement is cumulative. So it's not like you have to think of, I've got to do 60 minutes. Otherwise it's worth, you know, otherwise I might as well not do it. That's really not the case. So it's something where take breaks throughout the day, get up, go outside. If you're able to go outside, walk to your mailbox. If you're able to do that, try to keep your life as normal as you possibly can run your errands, do those things. As long as you're capable, park a little bit further away Ask a friend to go for a walk. If you have an animal, that's having a pet is something that's really powerful because they force you to stay on a certain routine. My dog the dogs outside. Because I have to get up and feed yeah. them twice a day. Yes, absolutely. Those um, little things. And I think honor that, right? So appreciate even just, even if it's just parking a little bit further away and it's a, Five minutes. That is something. And you should embrace and you should honor that. Five minutes is five minutes. There's always it's, something you can do. Eric, I, always. I, I kind of feel like I was on the right track then because I was uh, bragging to my friend about three weeks ago until I stopped. I'm like, I'm working out like 10 times a day. And they're like, well, how is that even possible? I go, because, you know, normally I could do 50 push-ups, no problem, right? Right. It started to decrease. I'm like, one workout was 20 push-ups. Then another workout is I grab my 10-pound dumbbells. This is from a guy who once bench pressed his own body weight 43 times. So I'm like, I grab my 10-pound dumbbells and just do 100-something, whatever it you is. You made 20 pounds, Rick? I'm sorry? 
My body weight. You weigh 20 pounds? 25. Um, but <laughs> that's all right. No, I went at 135 pounds, which is one big plate on either side. I once bench pressed my body weight 43 times and I won that contest. But that was that's impressive. <laughs> was another lifetime ago. Um, but I was doing like these, and then I would like do 20 squats. There's a workout. Um, so I, I was doing like 10. And I'm sorry, I forgot. Every, every podcast I do, I usually remember to say, at one point during the podcast, we're going to be interrupted by an explosion of five pit bulls barking. I forgot <laughs> to say it today, but here's the barking. So... That's, that's part of my blessing or my five beautiful people. That's their affirmation saying, hey, Rick, guess what? You could probably do five push-ups. You got to get up from your seat, right? I'm like, anytime anybody is seated, when you go to standing, that's a squat. So do that 10 times. Get up and down from your chair 10 times. There are things that people can do every single day without overwhelming themselves without having to say, oh my God, I got to do 60 minutes. Five minutes is cool. That's great. Five minutes today might become seven minutes tomorrow, might become 10 minutes the next day, might become 30, 40, whatever it is. Just now, what can you do right now? Forget about what you're going to do tomorrow. Today, what are you going to do today? I was going to ask you to command me to do something and you've done it you've done i got it so all right i I'm like back. to command people i'm back on it <laughs> all right. cool. yeah you gotta do dude you gotta do it done nobody's gonna do it for you it's happening and guess what you're gonna feel amazing when you do you really will either that or i'll run straight to the bathroom and vomit for the ninth wow. time today but that's okay because at least I've done my 10 squats and that's good. That's all good. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean that I really do. And I appreciate that. Uh, so endorphasm for those out there who are spelling challenged like myself, E N D O R P H A S M dot org O R G. Well, endorphasm foundation.org. Oh, all right. Well, we all can spell foundation. At least I think I can. <laughs> endorphasmfoundation.org. Thank you. But worst case, if they went to endorphasm.com, they would find it. They all kind of It'll link together. That. That's good. That's good. So Erica, I'm so glad that we have joined up for this. We've got I some uh, cool guests coming up soon in a very special live podcast with an all-star panel. And I think we can just leave it at that for tonight and we'll do yeah. our big announcement soon. That'll be cool. What do you hope you slash we can accomplish by doing this Cancer Warriors podcast? I think truly changing the narrative of what it means to be a cancer patient. I think that that's a, I think if we can do that, we have done something extraordinarily special. Well, I feel pretty damn optimistic about our chances here. Me too. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Great start, my friend. Great start. So good to uh, see you. And I could say a million times over how glad I am that we have uh, tag teamed up for this one. For sure. Great term. Always yeah. have the wrestling references. We got to get it in. We come from that world, don't we? Yeah, we do.
Well, my dear friend, great to see you as always. You too, Rick. And signing off for myself, for Erica Porter, Jungle Girl, as it says right there on the screen. Episode, let's call this 2.1 of the Cancer Warriors podcast. It's a new a new day, a new beginning, onwards and upwards, and can't wait to see you next week. You got it. Have an awesome night, Erica. Thank you. Much love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.